Welcome to Bite-Sized Agency Briefs, a webinar series that packs a ton of important agency information on one topic from one expert into a 25-minute brief. Why 25 minutes? Because who has the attention span for much more these days? And you can squeeze in a listen between meetings with time for a bathroom break or coffee refill before your next meeting. Bitesize Agency Briefs. I'm your host, Steve Guberman from Agency Outsight, where I coach agency owners to build the agency of their dreams. Today, I'm excited to be speaking with Mark Miller, the author of Culture Built My Brand, How to Win More Customers with Company Culture, and the founder of Historic Agency, a branding and design thinking agency for nonprofits. Mark, thanks for joining me from Arizona today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, I'm excited to jump in. I think we got a bunch of things to talk about, but I really, you know, you kind of answered my bat signal when I was looking for people to help me talk about agencies that that kind of hit a crisis, figured it out, rewrote what success looks like, and then revitalized and kind of that that V curve, if you will. Yeah. Um, so maybe can you give me kind of the backstory on uh, pre-book? Uh, where was the agency? Where were you? And and what was going on? Yeah. So uh, I think before um, COVID and this maybe like some other agencies, we were growing um, and it wasn't, it was like in spite of our efforts, maybe we were, mm-hmm. it was mainly referral based. Uh, we were just kind of making decisions as the revenue was flowing and and didn't really spend any time on our why, our culture. I mean, we had a good culture, but it wasn't like necessarily super intentional and defined. We didn't have, um, you know, really clear expectations for employees. Um, it was kind of like the hire great people and the worst of the rest will work itself out. Um, and then crisis happened, right, in COVID. And we lost 35% to 40% of our annual revenue in two weeks uh, with wow. contracts. You know, we at the time we had a lot of long-term retainers and those all, mm-hmm. and, you know, um, everyone, you know, even paying to get out of contracts. Um, and uh, we had to kind of figure out um, some changes. And, and it was uh, something that I thought, oh, well, I've kind of been through crisis before as a leader in different organizations, mainly in-house. Um, and then it, the, the culture that was not aligned to what I thought it should be kind of started to rear its head. And it, we, it turned like the, the organization kind of almost started turning on itself, right? Um, and we had to make some really challenging decisions. uh, And we decided to um, make some strategic changes in staffing due to revenue issues, but also in the face of culture. Um, And it was pretty remarkable because once you make those changes culture and you start to define that, um, things start to fall in place really quickly. Um, And the team morale turned around. in fact, it's it's amazing as leaders, and this is one of the things that I learned the hard way, like as I try to elevate people and give leadership away and authority away without defining the, the culture, people can take that and do whatever they want with it, right? And so I woke up one day during COVID and realized my staff wasn't allowed to talk to me because middle management encouraged that, like, which is like, wow, that's not healthy, I don't think. I mean, we're, not, we're a boutique shop, so, uh, you know, 13 people, it's not like we're a thousand person agency right. where, you, you know, that just physically is not possible. Um, I can see half of them out of, from out of my office. So 
uh, that was like a wake up call, right? Like, oh no, this has gone too far. And so um, we we made those changes and, and you know, make a long story short, we uh, within three months after making those changes, uh, we were able to turn around the company. And there's a bunch of things that we did to, to do that. And um, I think as someone who's uh, yourself is consulting with other agencies, um, there's some things I just needed to wake up to, right? I did, we don't, yeah. uh, I think a lot of consultants say, you know, we, agencies usually start, the independence ones start, not because we're great business owners or, you know, I, I don't have an MBA. Um, we're great <laughs> at strategy or creative, or we have some insight that people like and want to pay us for, or we're good at building websites or something. And then we build a business around that or our skill. Um, and so, um, like our financial, our financial processes were all unhealthy and not mm -hmm. accurate. I couldn't get the data I needed. So we brought in outside help, um, to restructure all of that. And I think as creative people, because we don't really want to say the business side is creative, but what happened, um, I mean, this might be another question we get into later is after we started getting the actual data, like the actual financial data and modeling, it allowed us to be really creative with how we did our work because we had the information, right? We, we were in any creative field, putting constraints around something allows you to actually go outside the box and to think differently. Um, right because you know where the, the borders are, but when it's kind of a, a blank slate, it's always harder to start, right? And so that still, that applied to financial data, which I was not expecting, right? And so we were able to completely develop uh, some really crazy creative process um, mm -hmm. that people think is still crazy, but our clients love it, so we do it. Um, and it allowed us to bring make things profitable really quickly, um, spend less time um, and then generate more sales. and. And that whole learning process uh, inspired the book. Um, you know, we kind of had to eat our our own brand strategy, you know, dog food, if you will. Uh, mm -hmm. We consulted other companies, and and it turned out like, oh, we don't even have a mission statement. You know. Wow. Okay. So we need to figure this out. So, anyways. So you uh, so you were so loss of massive revenue had to let some people go. You have this realization: we have no culture. Yeah. We were or building we brand, but not culture. culture. The culture ran ahead, right? You always have culture. It's just whether you want, it's what you right. want or not, right? Non, it was not intentional culture. No, not even yeah. close. Okay. And so you were starting bare minimum, ground zero. Let's treat ourselves like a client and take ourselves through this process of what do we want our culture to be? What do we want our processes to be? How, and, and you were using financial data to impact and drive that for you? Or were they kind of two separate parallels. Yeah, so they're, they're kind of run parallel, right? So we ran our process for ourselves um, to really define our mission, um, our, our why, to use Simon Sinek's language. Um, mm -hmm. we, we use the term principles instead of values because we want to make sure they're clear enough to dictate behavior because that was one of the mm -hmm. things that wasn't clear, right? We had values, but no one knew how to apply them. And I talk about that in my book. Uh, I think McKinsey did some research and only 27% of employees in a company will know how value the company values apply to their job and so that wow. basically two-thirds right if, uh people don't know um what's going on like how do how i should be doing my work based on who we are so that process we clarified and that that really changed um and it, when you do that and, uh, and you build that and you you create a strong culture the culture will start rejecting people by itself will start spitting people out that don't fit the culture 
you have to be careful because you want to make sure you have culture ad and you don't become, um, you know, kind of this like group think situation, but, um, people who didn't fit, like, you know, we had, um, you know, someone who came, uh, to like, we had a hackathon to like, okay, the company is in trouble. We're going to bring everyone together. Um, and you, you're welcome to come to the office or not, but this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna basically redesign our sales process and all of our collateral and our, and our micro sites for sales um, in two days. And so, you know, two people flew out on their own dollar um, to do that. And there's a couple of people who are complaining about that, like that mm. shouldn't have happened. Um, and it wasn't required. No one was, you know, that they were doing that on their own. And so that was an example of like, and that person eventually left because they didn't fit the culture, right? The culture was being, you know, lived out around them and they didn't want to be a part of it. And so they ultimately left. Mm -hmm. And so that, that was one track. And another track was, okay, we have these, uh, when you don't have great process, which is us pre COVID, you don't always know what makes money, what doesn't make money. Um, but we did have, we did know that brand identity for us always took longer than it should. And so when, once we got the financial data, we knew exactly how much time it should take and how much, how our current process was taking way longer than that. And so we, we got really frustrated and we use this, um, phrase, uh, why can't we just blank? You know, you ever get frustrated and you're like, why can't I just do this thing this yeah. way? Why did I have to do it the other way? And my creative director and I looked at each other and they were like, wait a minute, why can't we do it that way? Right. And so the, that blank for us was why can't we just design a logo in front of a client and get real time feedback? And, wow. and, the, and the, the question was, well, cause my response was, well, no one does it that way. Like, I don't know an agency that does it that way. Why would we do it that way? I don't think you're supposed right. to do that. Way, right. And they're like, but if we were to do it, how would we do it? Like, how could you pull it off? Like take all the, the baggage away because if we could shorten the amount of time we spend designing a logo, right, we would make more money um, and become more profitable. And if the client has more access to us, I think that they might like the process better, right? Because they can, they, they're seeing stuff in real time. They're able to uh, speak into that. So we started from that financial data, we were able to start developing a process to design brands in front of clients in real time, near real time, there's, there's different, um, kind of experiences depending on the, the scope and scale, but we basically developed, you know, a process that includes prompts for the client to participate in sketching and in developing a word bank and other, other activities that allow them to feel like they're owning the creative process. You know, a lot of it is mm -hmm. around the ideation because obviously clients usually are hiring us because they can't actually design. They don't know. Right. But for them to participate in the ideation and then to have constant check-ins and to see our entire artboard, the good, the bad, and the ugly, um, is requires really vulner a lot of vulnerability on our side, right? Huge and, risk, a lot of bravery. Yeah, wow. right. And the surprising thing is we found is that clients love it and yeah. um, they pay for it. Uh, we're at the point now um, with doing this that people are seeking us out because of our process, which is, I think, where you want to be as an agency from a thought leadership standpoint. Mm -hmm. And it, it does require a specific type of designer, right? You, you have to have thick skin and be willing to be vulnerable. Um, but one of the great things out of that was, um, you know, it, it kind of aligned with our culture. It gave us kind of this new identity almost in that, like, we want to be able to reinvent the, um, how agencies work with clients and, yeah. 
the on the client side, um, usually when you do a brand, a new brand, there's no emotional attachment to it yet. So it's really it can be really hard to sell the internal stakeholders. Uh, you can get maybe the senior guy, but then he has to, you know, or she has to run it past another team member and they're not emotionally connected. And so they have a hard time selling it internally. And we've tried all kinds of different things to mitigate that with video um, pitches and different things. But this, by having them actually participate, um, yeah. they come, they walk away at, like fully vested into what, what we created. Right. Um, and wow. so um, that's, that's been a radical change for us. It's amazing because, you know, historically, right. You go off, you, you do the discovery, uh, maybe do some sort of a, you know, a, um, brand culture analysis, go off on your own back to the agency, whiteboard stuff, sketch stuff out, only deliver the polished things, or, or even if you're delivering an ideation stage, the things that have legs, you don't want to deliver things that you guys don't love because Murphy's law oh. says they're going to pick the crappiest thing. Oh, every time. You're just, and yeah, and you're just opening it up to them, but absolutely when they're involved, sketch phase, whatever, you know, all these different phases along the way. Now they're, They've got some ownership in it. They feel like they've contributed. They're helping guide the process. You've got this amazing process where you're still delivering your talent and, and your perspective. Do they feel like, and I kind of already know the answer to this, but do they feel like because they're contributing more, they should pay less? Or are you able to, because- No, you've got it's actually surprising. Um, they feel like they should be paying more. Yeah, wow, okay. Um, and so uh, and I think that's because even though it, it, it kind of sounds crazy, right? And it sounds loose that we're just going to design in front of the client until they say yes, right? Right. Um, but it's actually really detailed process, right? So there's a bunch of different gates because we can't just let people say, well, I sketched this thing of an ocean and a dolphin, even though we're yeah. auto parts store and I like it. So let's use that, right? That's not, <laughs> that's not my work. kid likes blue. Let's use blue, that kind of right. stuff. Yeah, yeah. right. And so um, there is a lot of education to the process, right? We, we, we teach them basic color theory and we look at, there is a bunch of research that is involved, right? So we look at the competitive landscape and saying, okay, who owns what, you know, color or design or messaging or whatever, how does that relate to you? And, and through every, every stage of the process, there's all these different gates and there's intentionality in what they're participating in and what they're not allowed to participate in. And so if it sounds like it's unstructured, but it's it actually, which is funny is um, this create, creative process forced us to add way more structure and process than we had before sure. and results in a better product in a shorter amount of time. And so it, it's, it's kind of counterintuitive, right? And I kind of growing up, not growing up, but like in my early in my career, it was like, oh, you know, process is, is stupid. We just need talent yeah. uh, and talent will be out process every time. And and now I have the reverse thinking, right? Is that process um, combined with talent will always mm -hmm. beat out pure talent alone, right? Like you- 100%. Um, and so it it took me a little while to get there. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, I mean, and you mentioned it. So you can have raw talent and you'll get great results, but, and the results will be in the client's favor, but the business will suffer massively mm -hmm. if you don't put constraints around, we've got X amount of time to do this or we're going to lose money. Um, we can only do X amount of rounds of revisions or we're going to, you know, and so you're running a business, not a free right. logo delivery system. It, yeah. So, this is yeah. commercial art, not fine art, right? People aren't right. paying us because of the, what we make, uh, they're paying us because they need us to make something for them. And that's, yeah. that's a slight difference, but yeah, process helps, um, 
bring clarity, creativity, and profitability to to any agency for sure. Yeah. So the rebound for the agency was was defined through culture revitalizing morale, culture revitalizing process, uh, financial stability for the business. Did it result in returning to the size that you were or kind of reformatting? We grew bigger. Um, okay. And uh, so um, we'll, we'll have our best year uh, this year from a top line uh, revenue standpoint. We're, we're investing strategically in some things this year as well because to keep growing. But um, awesome. we've had more cash in the bank than we've had before. Um, and so it was... Uh, like a whole 180. And I don't want to say like it's a Cinderella story because it's still challenging, right? Staffing is a big challenging right now in this today's market. Um, the market is softening. So what does that mean for you know revenue and all that stuff and sales? But the the once you have the culture defined and you um, understand what process you need, you're you're able to like make decisions not out of um, fear. But out of mm -hmm. principle, and, and so like I think before um, with COVID, because we didn't have these things, we were kind of making we were we were forced to make decisions in the moment um, mm -hmm. in crisis, right? And and so we had to go back to okay, who do we actually want to be, and we're going to make decisions for that. Like even when we had to do layoffs, or um, you know, we paid um, as much severance as we could financially. Um, we let people keep their computers. We paid for resume writing for everyone who was um, let mm -hmm. go. Um, and so, uh, and we made sure that we didn't wait too long. We did it still within that window where uh, unemployment was really high. Um, mm -hmm. And so uh, we, you know, we wanted to live by our, what we thought our values should be, even though we had to kind of make some changes to really put those into practice, right? Cause they weren't into practice. They were, things on a wall. So how do we clearly define them and what, how do we make decisions based off of that? Um, and the same goes with, with process. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, so the niche that you have for nonprofits was that, were you guys in that niche prior to realizing what culture means and how important it is and how to rewrite it? Or has that always been? Yeah, so niche? we've always been nonprofit. Uh, that's my background. Um, okay. uh, and so we focused on non, um, on nonprofit. I think where um, why we we had struggled probably with per project financial uh, financial viability, right? Where we we are that agency that isn't tracking things correctly in one project balloons. That's what we were pre COVID. Um, was uh, we're you know we're passionate about nonprofits. We think that um, the world um, can be a better place with them, um, yeah. with cause-driven businesses, even and purpose. I hate using that term because it's overused. Uh, but um, those who who care about all stakeholders, not just financial stakeholders, and whether that's businesses or nonprofits, that's the the space. I think our expertise has been in being able to work with organizations that have very two distinct, different audiences that don't consume the same products um, and see the brand very differently. And so we know how to message around that, right? You have donors who contribute financially, but aren't the ones who are being served by the nonprofit, right? So if it's a rescue mission, that most of the people who are giving that rescue mission aren't struggling with homelessness. Um, same with mental health or social justice um, or wells in Africa, clean water initiatives, um, solar initiatives. So um, 
that's always been a, a heart for, for us. And, and I think in COVID and, and what we learned was figuring out who to work with, what are our process, how do we prioritize things? Um, it, it really allowed us to start asking the more important questions. Once you have a healthy culture, you can start asking the right questions. And I think prior, we, it wasn't a safe place to ask these wild questions. Like we would, we'd never be able to say, well, why can't we just blank and then try to figure it out? And that's become like a motto, yeah. internal um, motto. Of like if we ever get to the point where we say, why can't we just blank? Then that's the time to, to actually investigate that, to invent a new process, to uh, figure that out. So I love that as a trigger. And what's funny because historically, I would say when people who don't understand what we do, use the word just it's it's four letter word can't right. you just you know do that and it's like no that takes 94 hours and six right, people exactly. in that just the website. You guys are you yeah but you guys are using it as a trigger to like really inspire out-of-the-box thinking and creativity mm -hmm. and let's develop a system that'll help us just do this right. and yeah. to me that's totally what opposite are... thinking that works really well yeah one of the pivotal books that we've read um during this time was um a book called Formula X, Correct. which is uh, about, it's a business fable that is about um, a, a startup or this kitchen company that remodels kitchens and the transitioning leadership, the, the former leader owner says on TV without telling anybody, we're going to deliver a kitchen in two weeks. We're going to remodel your kitchen in two weeks, which is, mm -hmm. you know, actually crazy, right? No, one, no one's right. going to be able to do that. Um, and so it, it, it goes through learning about what Formula One does um and applying it to business and so mm. the process the idea is you have to go slow to go fast um you know the formula one race is 90 minutes the debrief is anywhere from three to four hours and includes hundreds of people in it mm. um, they make a thousand changes to the car between races and sometimes that's a thousand changes in a week um to make wow. the car go faster and so what was interesting is that the way you go faster and the way you go better isn't developing your skill. It's better process, right? It's process yeah. for the people. It's process for the uh, for the outcome, and, it, and it's it's allowing people the freedom and authority to ask questions. Uh, hmm. And so that's kind of where we got some of these ideas from. Is like, and, and it's so counterintuitive, right? You're like, well, I just give me a bigger engine and I'll go faster. Right. That's not necessarily how it works, right? Um, yeah. So um, you need to reduce drag and increase acceleration, right? Those are the two things from a physics standpoint. And so what does that look like? Well, usually that's process stuff, right? Yeah. So. Interesting. So, so the book is Culture Built My Brand. Yeah. Um, well, I'll definitely link to it. I want to shift over to a couple of quick rapid fire questions, but uh, I, I, love the, I love the way culture has driven your process and revitalized your business, um, pulled you guys out of a really tough time. And so I'm, I'm glad to hear the, the success story and that you've rewritten what's, what success means for you and historic agency. Um, so kind of random, but <clears throat> what's a, a book, podcast, show that you're really digging into right now? It doesn't necessarily uh, need to be business related. Yeah. Uh... Well, uh, podcasts, uh, Masters of Scale, uh, it is business related. Most of the books I read are, are business related. Um, yeah. I will say, uh, if you haven't read uh, Hail Mary or Project Hail Mary, um, mm -hmm. uh, that is fantastic. It's by the guy that wrote The Martian. Um, yep. So, sci fi nerd over here. So, that's uh, that would be. You're the second person to mention that book to me this week. So, it's now in my universe. So I had mm -hmm. not heard of it prior. So, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, awesome. 
What is uh, a latest hobby or obsession or something you maybe you and your family or somebody is into? Uh, yeah, so I think um, I recently had to uh, change my diet to health um, reasons. So I have um, that, you know, jerk diet that has to like, you're hanging out with him and there's like all these things you, I can't eat. <laughs> I hate being that guy now, um, but I'm getting older. And so I guess that happens. Uh, yeah. so I've took up cooking um, and specifically baking, but using mm -hmm. like almond flour instead of enriched flour and other things to try to make baking healthier. Um, and uh, so every Sunday night now I bake a cake. Uh, and that's been fun for the kids and the family. Um, and uh, I get to bring the leftovers to work on Monday. So the people who are in office that aren't remote uh, really appreciate that too. So. Baking. So home and office, you are now Julia Child's the, the yeah, uh, victor of level, cakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, and then finally, and this to me is pretty important, like kind of the best piece of advice that you can bestow onto agency owners. Um, I think the best advice I would give is find a coach or find mm -hmm. someone um, who can talk to you who can like I was always like against like self-help and like I don't need a coach I can figure this out like you know mm -hmm. um and uh I think COVID proved that like I didn't know everything um I don't know why it took me so long to realize that um I think I've been really good at learning how to figure things out and so um because I'm so good at that I didn't really think I ever needed something but having another voice in your head besides your own encouraging yeah. you telling you guiding you whether it's an agency consultant or a coach um, has been that that has been a, a game changer for me because the stresses we deal with as owners uh, and operators is uh, is is enormous, right? So it's, yeah. it's good to have somebody besides just your business partner or your your significant other um, to kind of talk things through. Love that, and I did not pay you to say that as a coach. <laughs> so, but I I agree. I think everybody needs a coach, a, a sounding board, yeah. uh, outside set of ears or something. So. Uh, Mark, I am so grateful for your time. Thank you very much for your experience, your wisdom, uh, and like I said, your time most valuable. Thanks, Steve. Thanks. Thanks again for tuning in to Bite-Sized Agency Briefs. As always, if you found value in this episode, chances are someone else will too. So please share it with your network. Also, if you know someone with expert knowledge on a topic that agency owners would love, Drop me a note. Let's get them on. Finally, find someone to hug today.